Welcome to the 517 Life Podcast, a ministry of The Exchange. Before we get to our guest today, I want to share with you about a couple of things. First, we love technology because it helps us get women's stories to you through our podcast. But there are some days where we really hate technology because sometimes it doesn't work the way we want it to. On today's episode, Virginia's mic didn't record, but she still had some good things to say. So a couple of times during this episode, you'll notice it doesn't quite sound right. We just wanted to give you a heads up about that. The second thing I wanted to share with you is that we have changed the date the podcast drops. Instead of every other Wednesday, new episodes will go up every other Friday. Now you'll find encouragement to kick off your weekend. Joining us today is a dear friend of mine, Dana Phillips. Dana is a pastor's wife and mama to two boys who loves to organize and help others organize their spaces. Today, she gives us some tips and tricks for organizing and decluttering our homes. And she tells us about how she learned while you might can organize your things, God is the one who organizes your life. And oftentimes, He doesn't do it the way we would do it. Dana also shares about the PAR principle and other parenting hacks. And we talk about the importance of prioritizing people over our to-do lists. This girl is full of wisdom for us, so feel free to take notes. Here's our conversation with Dana Phillips. Dana, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit about you and your family. Okay. Well, I guess to start with, I'm originally from Mississippi. Um, haven't lived here in a long time. Moved away after college. Um, I'm married to Bryant, who is also from Mississippi, but he hasn't lived here in a long time either. We have two sons. Um, our older son is Luke, and he is almost 13. And our younger son is Ben, and he just turned 10. So, and we live in Clinton. So you're originally from Brookhaven. I'm originally from Brookhaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell the story about how you said you haven't, you and your family haven't lived in Mississippi for a while. Where have you been? Tell everybody. Okay. So I grew up in Brookhaven, and I went to Colon. Um, community college and then I transferred to MC and graduated from MC a very long time ago um (laughs) in the 90s let's just leave it at that so I graduated from MC in the 90s and then took a position doing campus ministry in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania um in the fall of 1999 um the summer just prior to that of 1999 I spent the summer doing summer missions in Wilmington Delaware with a church there and that will play into the story in just a minute So while I was in Pittsburgh, I would go back periodically to Wilmington and visit the friends I'd made there. And on one of the trips back, I met Bryant, my husband, who had graduated from MC. We were there at different times. But you you went to the same college in Mississippi, but you didn't meet? We did not know each other, no. Wow. No, we did not know each other. But we were there at different times. Um, But ironically, he actually was on a summer missions team with one of my college roommates, But we still never got to know one another. So we met when I went back to visit um, friends in Wilmington and to help out with a retreat there. And the rest, I guess, is history. I moved, that was in 01, and I moved to Fort Worth, Texas to go to graduate school in 02. And he moved to Fort Worth to go to the same graduate school in 03. And we got married in the summer of 03, and we were in Fort Worth for 17 years um, thinking that God would move us on to do ministry somewhere, but it just never really happened in 17 years. And so we were like, hmm, maybe we misheard that. Maybe we'll just be in Fort Worth. And so we were okay with that. And then God said, you're moving to Mississippi. And we're both like, um, okay. That, that had not been on the radar really. But um, so, yeah, so we moved 2019, four months before COVID wow. hit. So, yeah, with no job. Okay, so you have to tell that story because it was quite a journey <laughs> for you guys. Yeah. For how the Lord got your got you from being in Texas for 17 years yeah. and everything your boys had known to come to Mississippi with no job. Yes. Yes. The looks we got when we would tell people that were like, really? You could just see it kind of processing across their faces like, did they just say they don't have jobs? Are they? What? Um, so we were in Texas. We had been, um, graduate school was seminary. So we had both graduated from seminary. We graduated in 05. We had spent the last 14 years 
you know, really seeking out different opportunities that God seemed to open the door for, but all of those doors would close immediate, almost immediately after we checked them out. It was very obvious we were not supposed to do that. And so we, at one point, like I said, just decided, well, maybe God just has us here to train up other people to go out. So then Bryant started praying and God said, I think, you know, Bryant came to me and he's like, I think God's telling us that we're going to move to Mississippi. This is like two years before we actually moved. And I told him I thought he might have misheard what God said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just because God had given us such a heart for the Northeast and where we had met. And that was just always what I assumed we would do is we would just go back to the Northeast. So Bryant was like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what God said. And I was like, God hasn't said that to me. (laughs) And so, unbeknownst to me, Bryant prayed the whole time that when the time was right, that God would put it on my heart, too, that, you know, this is where we were supposed to be. So, probably about, I guess it was December of 2018, God was like, I really think you need to follow your husband, and you need to do this, because this is what I have for you guys. And so, I said, okay. Because when God tells you to do it, you best do it. So, um, so I told Brian, I was like, I'm on board. If you know, if you still feel like this is where we're supposed to go, then I'm on board. He said, I am. And so we started praying, and that was probably January. It took me until January, I think, to go to him and say, okay, I'm on board. Um, and then I guess in March, if I remember correctly, he said, we're supposed to move in October. And I said, um, this October? <laughs> and he said, yes. And my husband had worked in business ever since we graduated from seminary. So this was a co- total career change. This was totally out of any ordinary that we had known. And we were game for that. But if you are trying to get a ministry position in a place that, hires people usually out of other ministry positions when you tell someone you've never you know you haven't done ministry since right after college but you want to be a pastor they're like okay you know they kind of look at you like are you sure you want to do that so my husband was coming over probably once every two or three weeks just for the weekend to he would come over on a Friday and meet with people on Friday and Saturday and then drive back or he would come over on a Sunday afternoon and meet with people on Monday and drive back Monday night Um, really encouraging but no doors really opened up for a ministry position and um, you know August came September came there was still no position and my Bryant said you know we've got We've just got to step out on faith. God told us to do it, and we just need to go. And his, the business that he had worked for was a marketing firm there in Fort Worth, and they were so generous and so kind and gave him a consulting role with the company that he could work, you know, telecommute for them um, through February of 2020. So we knew we had an income of, sor- of sorts until the end of February. There was no insurance. There were no benefits with that, but at least we did have income. And God opened up um, a house for us to live in that was one street over from my brother. So we, you know, had built-in family right there and kind of an easier transition and just worked out all the details. And so we packed the U-Haul and left Fort Worth and on October 26th of 2019 and showed up in Clinton that evening and unloaded the U-Haul. So, yeah. Wow. So still not knowing what position he was going to land in. No idea. Just moved here and figured it out. Just moved here. Wow. That's some (laughs) big faith. Like, God told you to do it, so you do what God says. But how scary that must have been. Yeah, I can remember Bryant saying he he kept telling himself, what am I doing? I have my wife and my kids and I have to be able to support them. And I'm moving them away from everything, you know, everything our kids had ever known because our kids were born in Fort Worth and all their friends were from nursery, you know? Mm -hmm. So they, this was totally new for them and they had visited. I mean, our parents both still live here. So, um, you know, they had visited Mississippi, but it was a totally different experience to move to Mississippi and, and just kind of plant your life there. So I'm curious, you know, you talked about how the Lord spoke to both of you. I don't know for some 
people, it's hard for them to understand how the Lord speaks. How do I know if I'm hearing from God or I just ate something wrong or <laughs> something that I want or don't want? You know, how, 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 what ways did you guys hear from the Lord move to Mississippi? What, what was that experience like for you? So it was different for Bryant. So I can't really speak for him. I mean, I can tell you that God affirmed it in a lot of different ways for him. Um, but for me, it was pretty much I wanted to dig in my heels and just determine that that was not. And it was not that I don't like Mississippi. It's just that I had not lived here in so long. This is where I grew up, and I moved away so quickly that I had, you know, I didn't even know what Mississippi was like anymore, except for the week and a half we would spend each year visiting family, you know. So I kind of dug my heels in and was like, Lord, he's, you know, totally missed it. This is This can't be it. And... God, in his kindness, let me think that for a little while and um, and didn't smite me. Um, so, <laughs> um, but he, through his word, I would, I would be praying, you know, Lord, I really don't want to be open-handed with this, but help me to be open-handed. Help me to, to do what you want me to do. Help me to obey. Help me to follow Bryant well. Help me to make it a joy for him and not make it a burden, you know, to lead me. And, um... Help me to set a good example of following for the boys. If this is, if this is truly what you want us to do, then help me to be on board. Um, but I need to know for sure that this is what we really are supposed to do. And, um, you know, God just continued through sermons, through different, and it wasn't even necessarily sermons at our church that we were a part of. It was sermons I would listen to from other people. And um, I don't even know that I listened to podcasts, but. I'm technologically not the most um, up-to-date person. So I asked Heather one time about, well, is the, well, do you see people on the podcast? And she's like, no, they don't video the podcast. Hey, um, some people video their podcast. Some people, people do. do. So. But like you, you don't, talking about. You, can, you can listen to it on iTunes, but you don't watch it That's right. on iTunes. That's so, right. So that was good clarification. Also, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out what the difference in a, and I don't know if you call it a GIF or a GIF, but. I'm just now realizing those are the ones that move and the ones that don't are the memes. You know, I told you I'm technologically, Mm -hmm. I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. But um, my children have to help me. So I just, I would listen to different things and and God would just re-emphasize what I had had prayed for. You know, like you need to follow. It would be you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to listen to your, you need to follow your husband, make it a joy. You need to listen to his leadership. And, And I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm getting the picture. So, um, and then through quiet time, you know, as I prayed and I would read through scripture. Yeah. And even crazy things like television shows, like we were watching Hometown one time with our kids. Something came up that I'd been praying about and I was like, no, not really, Lord. No, that can't, you can't be using a television show to reemphasize something I've been praying about. But, um, so lots of different ways that God just affirmed it and had a total peace when I, when I gave in and said, okay, Lord, it's, I'll do it your way. I will not try and force my hand anymore. Mm-hmm. So. And I love that you talk about having a total peace. It didn't mean you had the answers to your questions. No. But it's just a feeling that you have that, okay, Lord, I can trust you because you are you are watching over us and taking care of us. You're not going to call us to something that and not provide. You're not going to yeah. just drop us. So you didn't have all the answers to your questions, but you had a peace mm-hmm. that... Um, he was so good to give you mm-hmm. to help you obey. Yeah. Yeah. And we had lots of other things going on in the background at the same time um, where God was providing. We had our younger son. Um, I don't know if you guys remember several years ago. It's probably been seven or eight years ago. Um, there were airbag recalls that they would spontaneously deploy in cars. Ours was one of those cars that was recalled, but they didn't have a fix for it. And we were sitting at a traffic light, probably less than a mile from the interstate. We had just gotten off the interstate in Fort Worth and they spontaneously deployed while we were at the traffic light with both kids. I was driving and both kids were in the back seat. And what we didn't realize is our younger son had had to have ear tubes. And um, we think, we can't know for sure, but we think that the ear tube had fallen out and there was still a small hole in his eardrum and the pressure, the extreme pressure change from the airbags deploying um, caused the eardrum to rupture. And we didn't realize that 
And so I take him in in like December for an ear infection and our pediatrician's like, oh, we have a problem. And I was like, our pediatrician was really low key. So I was like, when he says we have a problem, that's a big deal. So I said, what's going on? And he told me, and even let me look like I know anything. I was an English major. Like, I don't have any idea what that <laughs> looks like, what a healthy eardrum looks like. But even I could tell that's not right. And um, so we had to see a specialist and Ben had three surgeries in a year and two months to repair his eardrum. So... So, yeah, so, you know, all of that was going on in the background. And these are surgeries that are tens of thousands of dollars. Um, Mm. And God provided for all of that. And so, you know, we had seen over the years how God provided. So that was not a shock to us. And that was not something I had raised my support when I did campus ministry in Pittsburgh. So I knew if God's calling us to Mississippi, he's going to provide. I don't know how, but he's going to provide. So we just went. And here we are. Now, how long was it from the time you moved to Mississippi before Bryant found out or got the position? Okay. The ministry position that you, you guys were called here for. Mm, we moved on a Saturday. And he, it was either Sunday or Monday. I think it was Monday that he turned in, like he filmed a little video. I think it was Monday. He turned in a video to the church that he now um, works for and he started interviewing with them like maybe two weeks after we moved here but what was really funny is he interviewed for a position that doesn't exist right now because it was an expansion position but due to COVID that didn't happen but he was interviewing for that position and all the while that he was interviewing for that it was in a different location from Clinton we were living in Clinton the boys were getting used to Clinton we were close to my brother they were making friends and so it's like Lord if it's possible could we please please stay in Clinton if that's just you know if that's what you want is it possible for us I know it looks like this position is working out and it's not anywhere near Clinton but could we please stay and um, I think it was like a week or two later the the gentleman that Bryant had been meeting with from church said, you know, I know we've been talking about this direction, but we have an opening at our Clinton campus for this position, and we think you'd be an even better fit for that one. And so Bryant comes home and tells me, and I was like, no way, I've been praying that we could stay in Clinton. (laughs) And he was like, what? And so he told uh, one of the pastors that he had been meeting with about that, and the pastor's like, I would love to know the date she started praying because we started thinking about this at this, you know, around this same time. So, so yeah, so it's just lots of things like that where God just worked it out. And so Bryant went on staff at our church the second week of February, and so we were there two and a half weeks before COVID mm. hit and we all came home so yeah so that was interesting I <laughs> 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 did I also mention I'm an eight let's not okay <laughs> you may not get organize your life but you do organize some drawers and closets really I really do. well my kids might not like that part of my personality but <laughs> um I do I really enjoy organizing I've always enjoyed that even being a little girl I enjoyed that um yeah I know maybe I should have had a life when I was a little girl I'm not sure but um I loved organizing stuff and so I love to help people do that I mean I like it at my house but I really like to help people do that um and I like I guess my approach is more get to know the person because my my thought is if I'm going to help you organize your house then I want it to make sense to you because I don't live there and if it makes sense to me, that's great, but I don't live there. <laughs> so I want to I wanna go in and ask a lot of really good questions before the organizing actually takes place. Um, mm, okay, what, what, what are those questions? So and at first, I think I would just simply ask, what is your goal? You know, when you say organizing, a lot of people have different ideas about what that mm-hmm. is. So are you organizing what you already have? Are you organizing and you want to clean out before you organize 
what you have? Do you do you want to organize in piles? Do you want to organize in mm. big bins? Do you, you know, out of sight, out of mind? What about organizing in junk drawers? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I know which junk drawer things are in. <laughs> yes. See, and that's an organizational style. So my husband and I are very different. Okay. Yes, Virginia. Yes, they're 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 very different styles. Um, my husband organizes tends to organize like. I know where it is. It's in this area over here, this area over here. And I have it, you know, color, like my closet is color coded by Mm. sleeve length. And, you know, and he's like, they're just in there. I know where they are if I need them, you know. Um, So, yeah, so it just depends on what makes sense to you. So if it would make more sense to you when you open the drawer, if you would be happier knowing, oh, look, all of it's in its place, then great we can find the places you know if you have a screwdriver in your junk drawer and rubber bands in your drunk your junk drawer and you have um a dish towel in your junk drawer well does all that need to be in the same junk drawer or mm. you know like do you how often do you use that screwdriver does it need to live there or does it need to live somewhere else that you you know like in a toolbox in a closet or something um so questions like that just you know what makes sense to you what what do you use that's so good I remember being at your house once and you were getting a Ziploc bag (laughs) out of the drawer (laughs) and I gasped and there were some other girls there too and we all just like that is the most beautiful Ziploc bag drawer (laughs) I've ever seen in my life (laughs) I love it and you had taken them out of the boxes if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly and you put them in what um, so I, I had little clear plastic containers that are like silverware, individual silverware organizers yes. and you can stick them in those and then they don't run around in your drawer and get all mixed Genius. up. So Carrie, are you an organizer? Not really. I know where things are. <laughs> I, or I prefer organizing my life than organizing my things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love to just like walk us through if you can your Mm -hmm. process so I know you moved into a new house Mm -hmm. and you kind of got to start from scratch which I'm sure you just nerded out on yes I loved that yes yeah (laughs) yeah that part of it anyways yeah um so where do you even start in a room like a kitchen or a laundry room how do you even know because at least for me when I when I attempt to organize because it's not it doesn't come natural to me I get Mm -hmm. overwhelmed very quickly Mm-hmm. Where do you even start? I heard you say, what do you use most often? Mm-hmm. So that could be a question to kind of help you. But yeah. where do you even start in trying to, what are some, some tricks maybe or some, some tips that you've come to live by? So um, one thing that I do is I help people see zones in okay. their kitchen. Okay. So if you're... If your pots and pans are in a cabinet across the kitchen from your stove Mm. and your oven, then you're going all, even if you don't have a large kitchen, you're still having to walk across your kitchen to get to a cabinet that's not near where you're actually using that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I keep my pots and pans right there above, on the sides above my Mm -hmm. vena hood Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, um, or down below, and I'm not a big user of the broiler so um sometimes if I didn't have a very big kitchen I just use that drawer under the mm-hmm. <laughs> under the stove under the oven to put my pots and pans in yes but that mm-hmm. is a warming drawer mm, some of them or is it a storage s- drawer some of them are storage and some of them actually if you use um the warming function and I had one that actually was the broiler drawer it was a drawer huh. that was a broiler and mm. so we just had to make sure we didn't turn that on accidentally when the pots and pans are in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but yeah things like that or I don't even know what mine is <laughs> it does get hot yes it gets hot <laughs> It gets to check on that so they don't cause a house yeah, fire. They don't right. want to burn your house down or, or melt your your handles to your pots if you're keeping them underneath your oven. That would be unfortunate. So, um, so working in yeah. zones. Yeah, so I zones. did have enough. Yeah, I did have enough thought towards organizing that I at least put like the colanders near the sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's as far as yeah. I got. <laughs> I also don't put heavy things like un- way far back in a cabinet. Oh mm-hmm. yes, that I have to use. For serving pieces and cake stands and stuff like that, 
that's fun. I'll put those down below in the back of the cabinet because, I mean, I don't use those to, you know, when we, I entertained a lot more than I have in the last year. Um, but, you know, when we would entertain more, then those things would be kept closer to the, the front. But things I don't use as much, seasonal things, Christmas platters, things like okay, that. Okay, what do you do with those things? You put them in I, the back? I put them in the back, yeah. And I also, I am a person who likes to clean things out. <laughs> so I go through and decide are we really using this? For example, I went through and cleaned out our kitchen um, just probably a month or so ago because we had moved in with all these things and we've lived there almost a year. I guess August will be a year. I was like, we haven't used this in the whole time that we've lived here. Do we really need this? So a good friend, it, it applies to this, but it also applies to larger perspective. But um, one of the one-liners I use is we live in the what is, not in the what if. And so um, one of my mentors used to say that all the time. And um, so that's when I, when I have that question because I am that person who's like, ooh, but I might need that here, you know. And then I talk to myself and I tell myself, well, you haven't needed it in two years. So it's been taking up valuable real estate in your kitchen cabinet for two years and you haven't once used it. So... You might use it in a decade, but is it really worth taking up the space? Do you have something else that you can use instead? So one of the things was one of those little mini chopper blender like food, food processor, like a teeny yeah, food yeah. processor. And I had two of them. And I was like, why do I have two of these? And one had a glass bowl and one had a plastic bowl. And I was like, that's great that that has a glass bowl. And I love it. I have never once used it. I use the one that has the plastic bowl. And my thinking was, but the glass bowl will last longer. Well, if you never use it, it will last a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, so that space. was, yeah. So that was one thing that took its journey to the Goodwill. So, you know, your home is very inviting oh, and it's welcoming you. and you just, it's beautiful, but it feels just like you can relax. You know, somehow mm. homes you go in and it's junky and that's definitely not your house. Obviously <laughs> you would never stand for that. So one thing that I've noticed at your house is you have like a basket or a bin that is for getting, like donating, mm -hmm. getting rid of. Yeah. What is that process? How often do you fill it? Because I feel, I feel like you're constantly cycling things out. And we've been in life group together for the last year or so. And you're yeah. always saying, okay, who needs this? Getting rid of this and that. Mm -hmm. And it's nice things. You just brought me some salt and pepper shakers today. <laughs> I'm so excited because we broke ours <laughs> when we moved two years ago. Mm. <laughs> I've never been replaced. This is how organized I am. But um, but you're always constantly getting rid of things and cleaning out. And that's something that I'm not great at. I would love to know, like, what is your process or rhythm of cleaning out? So I think it started years ago when a friend mentioned with clothing, the one in, one out rule. And um, she only had a certain number of hangers in her closet. And oh, I know this hurts. I know this begins to hurt. <laughs> um, and so when when she saw something that she really liked before she purchased it, she would ask herself, "Do I love this enough to get rid of something else in my closet?" And because um, she doesn't have the shop shopaholicism that I have, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the reasons that I started that process, but. I also realized along the way that I was having to continue to clean out a lot. I think that's a that's going to be a process for anybody, a continual process, just because we collect things, people give us things, we have kids, you know, that's just the way it is. But um, for me, a lot of the reason I was having to clean out so much is I was bringing things in. I was, as my husband says, I was cleaning out and replenishing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to get to the, the understanding of, why am I bringing all of this in? Like I'm cleaning this out because I want to get rid of things, but why am I bringing more in? What, what is, what, it, what am I getting out of that? What is, you know, what's the reason for that? So, um, so walking you through like what you would do, I would start with the one in one out. 
like if you have a food processor already <laughs> and you see another really nice food processor processor at the store and you're like, oh, but it's Black Friday and I can get it for this much money and it's such a good deal. And you really want that one, then the other one needs to go away. Like you don't just hang on to it in case I need to have two food processors for Thanksgiving because mm. you don't really need to food processors for Thanksgiving probably um, or Christmas or any other holiday unless you're cooking you know for a soup kitchen and then you might need two food processors but um, yeah just kind of look at it from that perspective one in one out if I'm getting something new do I need to keep the old one um, and then also I just go through like clothing is easy to start with because you can look at it and go yeah that was cute a year ago but that's not really me anymore you know, my taste has changed or it doesn't fit quite the way it did. Or I've worn so I've worn it so often that it now looks like I've worn it so often. And, you know, it's not something that I want to keep. So, um, so that's one way I look at it. But then also one of the things that we prayed, this is the first house we've ever owned. I mean, we don't actually own it yet. In 29 years, we'll own it. But, um, <laughs> right. but yeah, so um, we had rented for a long time. And I think that helped me keep inventory low (laughs) you know because you have to put it in a box you really determine how much you love it if you have to put it in a box especially if you have to wrap it in bubble wrap and you have to buy the bubble Mm -hmm. wrap to wrap it in so um yeah if you're yeah and if you're in your house for 30 years you know the continual clean out is a good idea because you just don't realize I mean my mom's going through things right now they've lived in uh, my parents have lived in their house for like how old am I? 44. So like 34, 35 years. And, you know, things just collect over time, books and different things. So she's going through things. And um, so that's something that's really helpful is the continual going through if you've lived in a place a long time. But if you're moving, Virginia, that's a great, (laughs) that's an awesome time because you really, you come to the nitty gritty of, mm mm-mm. I don't yeah. want it that badly. Mm-mm. Or you can be me and wait until the last minute to start packing to move and mm-hmm. don't have time to go through it all. So you wind up moving all of your junk oh, to no. your new house <laughs> and shoving it in a closet where it probably still lives. Yeah. So I want to go back real quick because um, something that I've even learned um, over the years, I'm not a very organized person, but I do come from a long line of people who like to say things. Some people call it hoarding, but... I like to be gentle, and um, <laughs> and I, I started a business off my grandmother's collection, so very thankful for that. But getting to the point, maybe this is something for people to chew on. But um, there's a generosity aspect of this because you needed salt and pepper shakers. You have not bought them yet, but you gave yours away because you were not holding on to material things. Mm. And while you may have bought some to replace it, you know, that's, you know, not the point is that you were able to give mm-hmm. and, you know, help somebody else out. And I know that's a small thing, salt and pepper shakers, but um, that that is kind of a, a generosity and, a, um, you know, avoiding greed. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. That's just something that I've, I've learned um, in my life of seeing, holding on to things and you know, why do we hold on to these material things? And some do have sentimental value, and it could be that you need that in the future. My husband always says, if we really need it, we can buy it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and, and, and you can sell things on Facebook and make money. So if you're, like, trying to do the Dave Ramsey um, emergency fund, then that could be an easy way to build you up, you know, an emergency fund if you need that. But also, you can give. Like, mm-hmm. you can give. Um, and so sometimes that might be because you could upgrade something and you still have a really nice food processor. Maybe somebody needs a food processor. Mm-hmm. We're talk- I mean, that seems very superficial, but like that comes down to a heart, a heart issue. Absolutely. Condition of, um, of giving your things and not holding on to material things. That's good. Know, maybe that's a jump. No, yeah. not at all. There was a purse I wanted forever. <laughs> and I never, I just never did go and buy it and probably because I'm just really cheap and (laughs) I'll never forget one one of the nights and Dana like you said generosity I mean yes that is her and helping others and blessing other people and one night she comes to life group and she's just got a bag she's cleaned out when Dana cleans out we all get excited (laughs) (laughs) and um, there was this purse that I always wanted and I was a little bit greedy I did snatch it up before the other girls could take it, but, but I wore 
wore that purse so proudly. And you know, the, you know, they say one man's trash is another man's treasure, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> you can t- absolutely bless people with the things yeah. that you're ready to get rid of, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of people can, we can get stuck in the guilt of I paid money for this mm-hmm. yeah. and I can't get rid of this because I, I paid good money for this. But the generosity aspect of it, you can look at it as, yes, the guilt or the opportunity. You can turn it into an opportunity to bless someone else or you can turn it into an opportunity for outreach. A lot of times you can gather all of your stuff and you can ask friends to gather all of their stuff and you can have an accessory exchange or a clothing swap or something where you get to go and shop for free, you know, at somebody's house and you get to hang out with friends. And so, you know, you can look at anything one of two ways, but it's an opportunity. That's right. You, There's not that much to do in Mississippi, so we got to oh, be stop. creative with our <laughs> get together. Stop. I used to do that in Texas. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Live in the what is, not in the what if. The what ifs. Yeah. I get I get stuck there a lot. Mm-hmm. What if I might need this one day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that works too for outside of just things. You know, like scenarios of if we get stuck in fear of something. You know, which honestly, that's what. That's what we're stuck in cleaning out things in the what if. That's a fear. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to need this and I won't have it. Um, and so I'm afraid something's going to happen. What if this happens or what if that happens? And so that kind of translates to all of our life. Are we choosing fear or are we choosing faith? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say that applies to your move. Mm-hmm. It's totally stolen. I did not. Yeah, I, like I did not. That's come all up right. With it. <laughs> we're we're all gonna steal it after this. Another thing that I noticed going to your home, and I love you're just very intentional with your home, and you know when you do your home does say a lot about who you are and the kind of family. And you've got two boys. You and your mm-hmm. husband have two boys, and remind me their ages. They're almost thirteen and ten. You have yeah. a preteen? Yes. <laughs> Almost teenager. Yeah, and just yeah. a few days. He'll be a teenager. Of, wow. So preteen boys. Um, but on the side of your fridge is mm-hmm. a big post-it. And that is um, Team Phillips. Phillips is your last mm-hmm. name. And that's your, it has your family goals, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, um, or do you call them house rules? Tell, tell us what that was because I just remember... They were right there, posted for everybody who comes into your home can see what mm-hmm. you guys stand for. And I thought that was really, really cool. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so they are the scriptural principles that we want our kids to know that our family lives by. And um, as the as the Phillips family, Team Phillips, my husband came up with that because I'm the only girl there. I don't play any sports, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I play cards. That's the most <laughs> athletic I am. Um, so, but um, my kids are very athletic and interested in sports and my husband's really interested in sports so that was just kind of a a common theme he could come up with so team phillips and um, just relational principles from scripture that we really wanted our kids to to live by so the first one is to put each other first so one of the things the reason that we posted them we posted them once our kids could read (laughs) Because, I mean, there's really not a whole lot of point in doing that when you have toddlers because they can't read that. Um, But you can do it with pictures with toddlers. You can take pictures of them sharing, and you can post it on the fridge or you can post it on the wall, Mm -hmm. you know, so they see it Mm -hmm. and, you know, see that they've done this. And that's what we want to do is to share, be helpful. So um, so the first one is put each other first. So um, that's one of our goals in our family is that, if we can put each other first, that's going to everybody's knock covered. Out. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. That's gonna knock out a lot of opportunity for conflict and fighting and just all around nastiness. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. So that's the first one, and then the other one is um, the second one is be honest with each other. Um, so we want to honor one another and be honest. Um, we don't want to. Um, one of the things I came up with was hush and my very southern you know when we were in Texas I came up with my very southern way of saying um, this is how you remember when you're talking to someone especially 
you know, outside of our home, but inside our home as well. These are the four things that you need to remember. Check this before you open your mouth. If it doesn't meet these four criteria, then don't say it. And so it was hush. So the H is helpful. The U is useful. The S is sincere. And the H, the last H is honest. Are you sure the S isn't sarcastic? (laughs) (laughs) No. wait, sincere. No, sincere. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because as kids, sometimes they would want to exaggerate things. And so that's why we threw the sincere in there. We want it to be sincere. So don't exaggerate it you know, be sincere. So anyway, so that was, that's one of them that we did. And then let's see, the third one is, um, be kind when we have to correct each other Mm -hmm. because there will be moments when we have to correct each other. And that goes for mom and dad too, but we choose to be kind. We can be firm, but we have to be kind in that. And so obviously we're not all perfect and we mess up, but that leads us to the fourth one, which is the, the phrase that we use is, when we mess up, we clean up. So we clear up the relationship if we mess up. So. Wow, I really love that. Um, something me and my husband kind of looked into this year, and we have a toddler. She's learning words, and she's speaking new words every day. Um, not a year and a half year old, years old. But she, um, we were trying to just like cultivate, that was kind of the word that we use, um, an environment and, um, you know, a place where we are doing things like you, you mentioned. So I love I love this idea. I think that maybe when she begins to read, we can <laughs> implement something like that. But I actually told my husband the other day, I was like, if we don't start the habit now, then when she does get to the point where she understands and she can read, then we've you know we've lost all this time that we could have started that habit. So I'm speaking absolutely to there that do have the young ones that maybe don't read yet. These mm-hmm. kids are good, like you said, the pictures. Um, but just getting the habit, like even though they don't understand when you say, you know, Jesus tells us to be kind, like you can still tell them, and they've heard it over and over again, so that when they do begin to understand that more, it's not like you're starting all over um, in, in the habit. You've already, you've already established that. Yeah. I love this idea. And they're so impressionable. Monkey see, monkey do. So mm-hmm. not only do you have it on the fridge for your kids, but it's accountability for for us you. too yeah. yeah and even like when the boys were little um we had friends our I mean we had boys so our books didn't live long at our house usually when they were toddlers but um if they were fabric books they lived otherwise they were in 400 pieces but um we had friends who did little photo albums little flip book photo albums and they would take pictures of their kids like hugging a stuffed animal or putting away their toys or things like that and they'd put it in that little album and they'd tape all the sides so you couldn't take the picture out and then they'd give it to the the child and sit down with them as if it were a reading book and they would sit with them and go through look this is you being kind wow look this is you sharing look this is you cleaning up that really honors god that pleases god you know and that that's a great thing to do thank you so much for doing that and so it just re emphasized, you know, what they were trying to encourage in their kids. I think Pete the Cat is great at teaching life lessons, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I love the reality that this is a picture of you. You. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as a human individual doing this. Uh, That's so good. So at the top of your post-it, large post-it, mm-hmm. says, we are Team Phillips and we work together to please God by obeying what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. We choose to put each other first, be honest with each other, be kind when we have to correct each other. Ask each other's forgiveness when we mess up. Mm-hmm. And I love that. When we mess up, we clean up. That's yeah. such an important skill. Yeah. And one that we have to be modeling as adults constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was something really new. Um, the church we were a part of when we lived in Fort Worth, the first time I ever went to Lord's Supper at our church there, um, they have a time of clearing up relationships before the Lord's Supper is taken because that's the instruction is you want to make sure that you're you're clear when relationships before with others and before God before you take Lord's Supper. And so they had a time of clearing up and people would get up and go to one another and ask their forgiveness for things that God had laid on their heart. And I was watching parents get up and go ask their children's mm-hmm. forgiveness. And I was like, 
whoa, this is, this is totally different than anything I'd ever seen. And I thought, this is mind-blowing. And so that was something when Brian and I got married that we said, this is definitely something we want to set up in our house because we want our kids to know nobody is above asking forgiveness. You know, nobody is above that. So Yeah. How did you narrow that down, these four things? Oh, well, I mean, they're scriptural principles, relationship principles, and they were principles that um, the church we were a part of in Fort Worth had as your, your membership. There were seven principles that you agreed to as a member of that church. The other were more corporate type. Um, you know, you give financially, you follow leadership within scriptural limits, things like that. So you participate in the ministry. So those were, these first four are the ones that are more relational, like one-on-one relational. So we took those and just kind of reformed them and used them for our family. And there was another one-liner that you've used in parenting specifically with your boys that I've stolen okay. and taken to be, <laughs> to be my own, but um, it's talking about just teaching responsibility mm-hmm. and um, going ahead and equipping your kids with responsibility at an early age. We don't get to enjoy privileges until our responsibilities are taken care of. Can you tell me more about how you've used that with your boys? Yeah, our kids, I actually talked to them. They asked, what are you going to talk about today, mom? And so I told them, I'm going to talk about the PAR principle. And they're like, oh. That's what it's called. Yes, PAR. Like, oh. <laughs> they love that one, They right? don't. <laughs> um, they, they do it because they are, they're good to follow us. But um, it's not their favorite principle in the world. Um, the PAR principle is? The PAR principle. Privilege. privilege accountability. Mm-hmm. Responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's okay. it. So um, how we learned it was a mentor of ours, who's a dear friend, taught that um, just in life in general, that's how life works. We don't really get privilege without being accountable to take care of our responsibility. And that's how God has set up life. You know, he doesn't give us the privilege without holding us accountable to take care of what he's given us. And in the same vein, he doesn't give us the grace to handle somebody else's responsibility and so that kind of goes hand in hand with what we teach the boys when they get upset because this this won't happen this way and we're like well is that really your responsibility because it sounds like God's not giving you the grace to handle this because that's your brother's responsibility not your responsibility or that's mom's responsibility not your responsibility and so um so yeah so privilege we really all want privilege, but we can't have the privilege. Like, for example, in the business world, if you have a job, they don't give you a paycheck unless you're responsible, you know, and you are accountable to take care of what they've given you to do. So we're trying to train them to be men who are men of high character and who are leaders. And leaders understand that you have to be accountable for the responsibility you're given before you can take advantage of the privilege. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, so so yeah, so we, we've tried to emphasize that with them. And like I said, also emphasize when they get frustrated. Okay. It looks like you're frustrated. What was your goal? Because when you're frustrated, it's usually because your goal is being blocked. So what was your goal? Do you realize what your goal was or what was your expectation? that wasn't met, do you realize what it was? Because you wouldn't be frustrated if it if something hadn't been blocked. So we try and help them to think through that so that they don't just emote, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they think through. And that is also something I try and think through, <laughs> you know, because it's easy for me to get frustrated and then it, I catch myself and go, oh, I had this expectation that the day was gonna look like this mm. and it didn't turn anything out, anything like that, So, mm-hmm. so yeah. That's really good. So now you guys are in ministry. We are. And your husband serves as, what is his title? Groups pastor, adult groups pastor. Okay. So you guys are over small groups mm-hmm. within your church family. So yeah. ministry is a lot of serving people, right? Mm-hmm. It's serving God through serving people. Mm-hmm. And I know that you mentioned that you're very task oriented. <laughs> and so being a pastor's wife and, um, a lot of times your tasks kind of have to take a back seat to people. Yeah. I'd love for you to, to tell me, is that a challenge? How has that been a challenge in your life? Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge um, for sure. I think God in his kindness knew that I needed my husband's influence in that because my husband is very good at understanding 
the value of people over tasks. And so that's been, I've been able to watch his example of that, and that's been really helpful. He is very good at putting the correct priorities in their places. And while tasks are not unimportant, they are important. But when it comes to people, people are always more important than the task. Now, the task may go hand in hand with the person because it's helping the person um, who's really important. But if it comes down to we have, you know, if the church is on fire, then the task is to call the fire department. Yes, but that's also putting the people first because you want to make sure the people are safe and you're getting the people out. So it has been a struggle because my default is tasks. My default is I need to get this done. I need to check this box. I need to get this off my list. This is what, this is my expectation. This is my goal. And so God has really, and continues to really grow me in understanding people are needing to be more important because A, he created them in his image. So they're already important and have value, but they need to be more important because the task is more about me and what I want, and if I'm truly going back to those Team Phillips values and putting someone else first, then the person is mm-hmm. who I need to be focused on. Mm-hmm. And the tasks will come, and there are tasks that have to be done. I mean, you know, we have to brush our teeth, and we have to, you know, but do I snap at my kid when he comes in and interrupts me doing my task, or do I stop and give the task its proper place mm. and give the child his proper place? So just those kind of things. I don't know if that answered your question, but. Absolutely. So. Yeah. One of the staff values of the exchange staff is people over processes because it can be mm-hmm. really easy to get in the grind of all the tasks that need to be done and forget ministry is about people. Mm-hmm. And and that's actually what God's called all of us to is to, to be mindful of how we're loving people and you know, something that we've been talking about recently is just how easy it is, especially in a COVID world, to completely avoid people. Mm-hmm. You can order your groceries and they bring them to your car and you never get out. You may never have to even see anybody. And if you do, it's for like two seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you can order your food to go. And how is that hindering us from sharing the gospel and, and spreading the light into the darkness when we get we can get really head down into our tasks or even just I don't feel like talking to anybody right now because it's just going <laughs> to slow me down. It's more about being intentional with people and less about checking all of my things off my list yeah. um, and just go, go, go. But taking time to sit with people and carry. I know we were talking earlier, your dad is a CPA and mm-hmm. he tells the best stories and he um, we keep using him as an example because he's so good at um, sharing the gospel with people mm-hmm. and a lot of times he does that through stories mm-hmm. and when you're with him ha- you think that you're the only thing he has on his plate that day mm-hmm. and and how often do I make people do I make people feel that way you know mm-hmm. or, or am I like rushing through what they're telling me to get to the next thing you know mm-hmm. it's definitely something that that um to evaluate and lots of opportunities too that we miss when we don't make people the priority you know the dishes I've heard friends say before who were further along in life you know the dirty dishes will keep they will be there they will be there tomorrow they will not that you need to leave your dishes in the sink for two weeks that's not what I'm saying but um after we just talked about organizing for real um anyway but you know the dishes will be there and the dishes will be dirty every day and that's something that has to be done all the time but your kids won't be 10 and 13 mm-hmm. every day. And he spoke straight to our family. Um, that's something, literally the conversation having my husband and I, you know, we were talking about, we got to start these habits, getting the dishes done, packing it up after, and it'll be the day. And he's a task-oriented person himself. But, you know, got to get bath time, get the dishes done. We're both kind of like splitting our um, responsibilities to get those things done. It was, yeah, it was kind of that thought of, okay, what can we do to get the dishes done? But to also put our daughter first, mm-hmm. so that she, from you know, very young age, is, is seeing her parents put Jesus first, um, you know, in every aspect, and then also just teaching her about Jesus, even from a young age where she might not fully understand what we're saying. So I love that you said dishes because that spoke straight to us because that was one of the tasks we had to figure out 
how can we do this well, do the task so that they're not sitting there for two weeks, but also, and more importantly, uh, you know, the daughter is the intentional yeah. family. Right. Yeah, and you know, it's a lot easier to put your child in front of a screen mm-hmm. than what I've seen you guys do, Virginia, is she's got her little step-up thing where she can come in the kitchen and, and help mm-hmm. you prepare dinner, and yeah. sometimes that is frustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or mess up <laughs> dinner. Sometimes it's very frustrating because they mm-hmm. don't, don't do it as efficiently as we want, but that time spent together and intentionality and teaching her mm-hmm. responsibility and how things work mm-hmm. and that, it, you know, you don't just snap your fingers and dinner is prepared, that it's a process. And that's right. That's right. It may not be the easiest thing, but being intentional, it, it pays off. And setting up, I know friends of ours told us when we first had kids, set up your house so that you can say yes. So oh, that you know more about this. Um, so set up your house so that you can say yes. So one of the ideas was in the kitchen instead of putting the little latches on all of the the cabinet doors, have a cabinet or two that's just for them and put things in there that they can't break, that they can't hurt. You know, put pots and pans and things, you know, or even old ones or Dollar Tree, you know, whatever, you know, but put things in there that they can come and they can sit at your feet and play while you're cooking and they can feel apart and they can be near you, but you don't have to get on to them for, no, don't touch that. No, don't get near that. No, you know, help your when we were um, parents of little guys, I think Luke and Ben were like, Ben's first Christmas, he was like seven months old, and Luke's three, I guess, at that point. And so our whole tree was Hot Wheels cars and stuffed tractor ornaments and things like that that they could enjoy and they could play with. It wasn't, we have this beautifully decorated, and I like the beautifully decorated tree, you know, Mm -hmm. but we didn't have this beautifully decorated tree that was roped off or, you know, we put a gate in the doorway or something. We had a tree that they could come in and they could they could hang their trucks on or they could hang, you know, whatever. And um, we had that for several years until you know, they got old enough that they didn't want to pull the tree down anymore, you know. Um, but, yeah, make your house as as yes-friendly as possible. Well, you know, that also can apply to not hoarding things <laughs> and, and staying on top of tasks whenever mm-hmm. you're talking about being organized and cleaning out. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times, as women, we might not say yes if someone wants to stop by or because mm-hmm. we feel like our house isn't quite put together the way that mm-hmm. we would want it to be. And, I, and so to me, that's kind of what that speaks to me of set up mm-hmm. your home so that you can say yes. Yeah. That, that could speak to um, making sure that you are cleaning out continually and, and mm-hmm. are picking up so that that's right. Yeah. That's right. There's yeah. space for people to, to swing by and you don't have to stress that, you know, the Lord sent an opportunity your way. You're prepared. You can say mm-hmm. yes. Yes, come have lunch, come have dinner with us or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So, And a lot of, I think, something that for me was hard to get to learn and to get past was my house doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it loves people more when your house looks like you live there. Right. I mean, they don't need to have to tunnel from your front door to the <laughs> kitchen. Okay, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's a little too lived in. Um, but, you know, it's okay if your kids have left some toys out yeah. or you have stuff on your desk or there's something on your kitchen counter. You know, I mean, ideally, yes, I would love for there not to be stuff on my kitchen counter. But you know what that means? That means people live here. It means that somebody was at that kitchen counter sitting there doing something, you know, or... Have, you know, maybe they read that book or they made that list or whatever. We live here, you know, and so I think that's very inviting to people and it puts people at ease. They they feel like they can be themselves and they feel like they can be home there um, with you and they don't feel like they're going to mess up something. You know, if it looks like a magazine, it's hard for people to be comfortable. Mm. And so, you know, we all look at the magazine. No one has to worry about that. <laughs> stop. <laughs> about oh, stop. I've been to your house. It looks great. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, we all look at the magazines and go, wow, I would love for my living room to look like that. But r- in reality, would that really be warm and inviting to somebody who just stopped by, you know? So that's right. Be responsible, but don't be mm-hmm. over the top. 
yeah. be reasonable. I don't know if that really speaks for itself, but you've given <laughs> us some really great <laughs> one-liners today. <laughs> Live in the what is, not in the what is. And I love mm-hmm. the one in, one out. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do with that. One in or three in. <laughs> one out. <laughs> <laughs> no? Yeah. Whatever works. Reasonable. There you go. Start with something easy. That's right. Like, not hard. Like, if you have three sets of dinnerware and they're all heirloom pieces and you don't want to get rid of any of them, don't start with what the dinnerware. Cups. You know? Cups. You know, there are some people who each member of the family has a cup. Mm-hmm. And they wash their and cup. that's it and like their that's plate. I that's did, right. Yes, I've been I've been watching a lady on YouTube for the last couple months, and that's how they live. Is each person wow. just has one cup? We're not that we're not that far yet. Yeah. No. We Who are your inspirations when it comes to organization? Um, so the one that I've been watching a lot that I really enjoy um, is called the Minimal Mom. She's a believer. She lives in Minnesota, I think. Um, but. Uh, I've really enjoyed, she's now, she's, I'm going to give you the disclaimer because she is super minimalist. Okay. That's like the thing, the new thing for me, her big idea is inventory and her story just to kind of sum it up is they have four kids and their kids were four and under when their youngest was born, all four of them. And so she stayed home and she talks about on her YouTube videos, how she just got really resentful. She got resentful that her husband got to go to work and she (laughs) had to stay home, you know, (laughs) things like that. And she's like, she realized, I mean, as a believer, I think too, she just realized this is backwards. Why am I so resentful? And then she heard a podcast from another believer who's a minimalist. His name is Joshua Becker. He was a pastor for many years and, um, and was turned on to minimalism as well by a neighbor. And, um, but anyway, the minimal mom said, I heard this podcast and she's like, that's all it took. I was sold. I'm, we're getting rid of some of this stuff and let's see if it will help just my attitude because she felt like she was cleaning up the same thing every day, the same pile of toys, the same this. So she just started going through and asking, you know, what do we just not use? And let's just get rid of it. So we, I don't have to clean it. I don't have to pick it up. And that led to where she is now. And they live on a farm in Minnesota and, um, they live, all six of them, and the house is like, I don't even remember, like twelve or 1,300 square feet. And um, and it's this great, like you look at it on the video and you're like, wow. Like everything is clean. The surfaces are clean. You know, obviously they're not always clean, but when she does the videos, they're clean, you know. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so that I've just been kind of thinking of that because I would mentioned earlier the shopaholic mm-hmm. tendency, and that was something that God just really – burdened my heart with was what are you trying to fill Mm. with this that I'm supposed to be filling so what is it that you're trying to make up for or to what void is there that you're trying to stuff with all of this stuff or the shopping because a friend of mine's a runner and she for years tried to get me to run and I was like not running unless I'm being chased by an animal that I think I can outrun I'm not running you know (laughs) and so um she said, but do you get this high? And I was like, yes. And I can go to an air-conditioned mall and a credit card gets me that same high, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I know Dave Ramsey's cringing if, you know, if he ever hears <laughs> anybody say that. But um, but I had to come to the, the point of saying, okay, yeah, I'm buying this stuff because I really enjoy it. But why am I really buying this stuff? And is it really giving me what I want? And so I came to the point of, I'm having to take care of all this stuff and deal with all this stuff and organize and reorganize and clean out all this stuff. And that's time I could be spending with my kids because Luke goes to college in five years. Mm. You know, I've got five years. Do I want to spend it organizing a bookcase? Do I want to spend it reorganizing my kitchen? No, I want that time with him. So I think that's just kind of where I, I landed. So... I love that. Would you consider yourself a minimal? No. No. goals, right? We have like. Something to strive for. Oh, yeah. We have a long way to go if we're ever going to be called that. But but it has been. And I think that's, we call it our house fish and bones. Like when you read a book, you you glean the fish, the meat from the book. And there's always parts of it that you probably won't agree with or may not even line up with scripture. You throw that part out. But you can learn something from everybody. And so that's kind of the thing I took away from her was. Yeah, I probably need to just decrease my inventory. So, 
Well, you might be the next Marie Kondo. I I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't look at it and ask if it sparks any joy. joy. I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, I don't use you anymore. See ya. No, but one of the things that you do, probably not out loud, ask yourself or ask your items, but you, um, you do try to think with the spark joy in someone else's life. And I appreciate that about you, that you're, even when you are cleaning out and decluttering, that you are constantly thinking of who you can bless with what you're getting rid of if someone else needs it and I just love that about you you Mm. are a blessing to so many people and you've blessed me just by what you shared today you have so much wisdom and Mm. thank you so much for for sharing sure thanks for having me and it's borrowed wisdom so (laughs) borrowed Borrowed from (laughs) others so that's right and we always love to ask our guests what is something new that you're loving right now new that I'm loving right now I think probably that goes back to the whole idea of inventory Mm -hmm. I'm really loving there is a real freedom a friend of mine is the one who mentioned the the YouTube channel for the minimal mom and um and I thought okay I'll you know I'll try it and so because I did want to clean out I accumulated some clothes and stuff like that that I was like I probably need to get rid of some of that because my closet looks a little junky And so I started just watching some of her videos and the videos are like 10 or 15 minutes long. And so I would watch them while I was doing the dishes at night or I'd watch them, you know, while I was getting ready in the morning. And um, that idea of inventory kept coming back. And I was like, I really am spending so much time that I could be spending with my kids. Like I would sit down and read a book with our 10 year old and I'd be like, I enjoy this so much more than organizing a closet even though I'm an organizer. Um, so I think that's the thing that's really been exciting the last couple of months is we've been able to kind of move things size down, I guess, um, in a lot of areas in our house. Um, that that's, that freedom and that time has just, that's been a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. And seeing how much, I think there's always the opportunity, especially because, I can always tend toward, you know, saying there's a positive and a negative way to look at everything. I tend sometimes toward the negative. And so, you know, I catch myself going, that's, I wasted so much time. I've done this for years and I could have had all of this time for all this year, these years. And I, you know, oh, I just hate, I have this regret, you know, over that. And then it, I'm just reminded, you know, the enemy really wants me there. The enemy wants me down in the muck and the mire and the regret and the guilt and the because then I won't move forward mm-hmm. and I will continue to waste that time and so I think just realizing when the enemy attacks and how to fight him has been really helpful and um and that's just one of the the ways God has used is cleaning out the stuff to remind me of that so awesome not just loving the inventory, but all the freedom and time that you now have because mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. That's awesome. I've had so much fun. This is so fun. I'm the only girl at my house, so to be here with all these girls is a lot of fun. <laughs> girl time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the 517 Life Podcast. Dana gave us some great tips for organizing spaces, loving others well, and teaching responsibility to our kids. If you would like to connect with Dana for organization help, or connect with us, you can email podcast at theexchange.cc or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Remember to share this episode with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a minute of life.